0: Today's episode is brought to you by Weaver Leather. and welcome back to the Ride Podcast. I'm Michaela, And I'm Nicole. And for this episode we are chatting with Gil Friedman who is the owner of Mental Athletics and I know both Nicole and myself really appreciated this conversation. I've actually just started to work with Gil um, on my own to work with my own mental abilities as i go into the barrel racing arena um it's kind of something that's a little newer for him working with a barrel racer but it's kind of helped me out a lot and i haven't even gone to a barrel race yet so it's been a lot of fun working with him and i know that just listening to this conversation you guys should be able to learn a lot whether you go into the show pen or you're just needing to build that confidence with your horse outside the show pen
1: yeah, like Michaela said, uh, barrel racing is a new venture for him. His He originates from the reigning world. Um, he actually lives in Israel. So uh, we had to play a little bit of phone tag to figure out what time works best since he was, I think, like 11 hours ahead of us or something. Uh, but he, you know, as he builds mental athletics, he's wanting to reach out to all of the disciplines and work with people in every, you know, kind of background of riding, English, Western horse owners, however he can help. But yeah, his, his main priority is working with people who are competitors. And, you know, I think what I loved about this conversation is that we forget about ourselves in the horse industry, whether it's fitness, if it's mental, if whatever, we are constantly focused on our horse. But in reality, we are just as much part of the puzzle pieces to figure out the solution to what's going on. And it's not always just the horse. And so I think Gil does a really great job of explaining, you know, the importance of doing mental exercises and preparing yourself mentally and the difference it can make with your horse. And, um, you know, he comes from, A horse training background he worked for some of the top professionals in the country here in the United States and so he you know comes into it knowing what it's like to walk into that show pen and deal with those mental you know issues that come up when you're showing
0: yeah absolutely and that's the thing it's like the foundation of mental athletics is all the same across the board whether you're in the cow horse the reining the barrel racing whatever the event is the foundation is the same. It's just a little bit different as you go about it because, you know, the difference between a raining pattern and a barrel racing pattern is, you know, one's a timed event, one's a scored event, and you have different places to make up for different things in both events. So it can just be tricky on your mind to do the different sorts of things. And I know I've showed in both events, so I know the differences. And it's just, yeah, like I said, it's tricky. And some of the exercises that he has you do, um, if you decide to go out and work with Gail, they, they feel a little silly at first. I mean, you, you do these exercises and you feel silly, but at the end of the day, it really, really helps you. And I like to consider myself a pretty serious competitor and to know that I'm not alone in having these, you know, what I feel like is failed mindsets. Is, it's, it's nice to have somebody out there that can help me through it.
1: Yeah, and sports psychology. I mean, that's not a new term by any means. Uh, you know, I, I think we've, there's been a lot of sports psychology in all sorts of events and, and um, competitions and, and sports. But, you know, I think sports psychology is really new for the horse world. We forget that it's a sport. And um, I think he really does a great job of helping people with those issues and challenging them to, you know, work on it. And yeah, so I, I, was really excited about that because when I was growing up, I had a lot of mental issues when it came to showing, I was constantly nervous. I was constantly afraid of messing up. And, um, you know, a lot of the time I would be my worst enemy and it would, you know, I, I, I would go into the world show finals and mess up. And, uh, I wish that I had a resource like him when I was showing as a kid. And I'm really glad that I have a resource in, in him now, as an adult showing in a new event too, because that's a whole new set of nerves and, you know, trying to understand the mental aspect of showing cow horses versus the all around where, you know, your, your main goal is very different.
0: For sure. And not to navigate too far from the reigning subject, but to dive into some current events, let's talk about the cactus classic that just happened.
1: Yeah. So I was actually in Arizona when the cactus classic was going on, I was there for more personal reasons, but um, the Cactus Classic was huge this year. It took place in Scottsdale as it always does. Uh, and um, I think something that really got everybody excited is that it was the only run for a million qualifier event. So if you go to the website, there's other events that they have qualifying events, but those are for the rookie classes, those are for the you know for the non pro classes this was the only event where you can compete in the main event run for a million. So it was huge. Everybody brought the coolest horses they could, you know, find and compete. Uh, And so, yeah, the qualified list is Danny Tremblay who I'm, I'm pretty sure Danny actually qualified last run for a million because he won the shootout. So I think you got an automatic invitation to the run for a million if you won the shootout. Uh, But some of the others were Andrea Fapani, Jason Van Landingham, Cade McCutcheon, who actually won the first run for a million with uh, he actually tied with Craig Schmersal, And then Matt Mills was also in there, which a lot of people probably recognize him from the TV series. Uh, He was also, you know, somebody on our podcast. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, go back and listen to it. He does a great job of explaining how cool it was to be on the TV show and you know competing in this like inaugural event and and getting to become friends with Taylor Sheridan who I think everybody knows he's the creator of Run for a Million he's the creator of Yellowstone he's the creator of The Last Cowboy you know um, but anyway at this event they had ten more riders who qualified it was Sean Flaherty who I believe was either like first or second to go into the show pen and he ended up winning it. Scored a 228. So anybody who thinks that you can't go early in the draw and win, Sean just proved you wrong. Uh, But some of the other guys were Cole Price, Casey Deary, Nathan Piper, Martin Nielstadter, Arno Honstetter. Gina Schumacher was another one that qualified. And Gina's actually a non-pro. So that was really cool to see not only a female, but a non-pro in the mix with some of these top guys. And Gina's name might sound familiar because Gina – Lives in Europe, and her dad, Michael Schumacher, is one of the most famous Formula One race car drivers, I think, in history. I don't follow it a ton, but um, he's a really big deal. And she's done some really cool freestyle stuff in the bat in the past, where she dressed up as her dad, uh, which was really fun. That's so neat. <laughs> yeah. So if you Google her name, you can uh, you can see her freestyle run but yeah she dresses up in the formula one outfit and her horse had you know racing stuff all over it it was it was pretty cute um and then the other people who qualified were tom mccudgeon uh brian bell and craig Schmersal, who again i mentioned earlier craig was tied to win it with cade the first year so those are the people that are going to be competing august 17th through the 21st and might take home a lot of money
0: yeah, that's. I'm so pumped to get to watch that. I, well, won't be there in person, which would be a super cool event to watch in person, but just to watch the event, that will be super exciting. Another event that is for sure going to happen is the 2021 Quarter Horse Congress. So, very pumped about that since we missed out on that last year. Yeah, I think last year was. I think maybe the second time in history
1: that the Congress hasn't happened. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. And um, you know, coming from the all-around background, the Quarter Horse Congress is one of the most special events an all-around rider, Quarter Horse rider, can can participate in. And um, you know, as much as I don't miss going to Ohio in October because there was days where it was raining, there were days where it was 70, there was days where I was getting my horse warmed up and it was snowing and 10 degrees outside um so don't miss the weather but I do really miss the atmosphere of the congress because it really is um magical I don't know how else to explain it um that the winning the quarter horse congress is one of the most special memories I have of showing horses in the show pen and So, yeah, I I was a little sad when I heard, even though I'm not really competing in that industry anymore, I was still really sad to hear that it got canceled last year because of COVID. So, very excited to see that it is back on the schedule for 2021.
0: Yeah, I think absolutely anybody who shows all around or quarter horses is very, very excited to see it back on the schedule and to head back to Ohio, even though, like you said, sometimes the weather isn't fun. But who knows? Maybe 2021 will bring some nice – weather for the event in October.
1: Another thing that's happening at the quarter horse Congress, and I don't have the numbers, specific numbers in front of me, but um, they're putting more money into the raining as well. So you're going to see some pretty big rainers showing up at the Congress. And you have, um, I think actually, so Ohio is the birthplace of raining. I don't know if you knew that, Michaela, but it is the birthplace of raining. So the quarter horse Congress and raining have always had a tie-in together and for a long time it was really big and they're trying to bring raining back to its roots so they're adding a lot of money into the reigning events of the congress so
0: yeah that's really cool no I, I vaguely knew that Ohio was the birthplace of reigning but I, I didn't realize that you know that relationship there so that's that's really neat Another event that is currently happening right now is the NRCHA Stallion Stakes being held in Las Vegas. So that's currently happening, and they are seeing some record entries there. So that's that's pretty exciting. I think having COVID last year shut down all of the spring and summer events really built up some anticipation for these spring and summer events for
1: 2021. Yeah, it was um... – you know, the nice thing about the horse industry is that everybody kind of comes together and and keeps on going, even when the world literally stops. Uh, so there's some super exciting stuff. You know, everybody's excited to be showing again. They have $198,970 in added money for the events at the Stallion Stakes. Uh, you know, the open Open Division is huge. They have a ton of people competing in the Open Division. I know um, I was in Arizona last week. I took a load of horses there so that I could just go and have fun and ride with all the top guys out there and and they were all getting ready to get ready for the stallion sakes. Everybody was working, all the clients were out. It was busy at the uh, at the barn. So I think everybody was really excited to get to Vegas and 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 go back to showing and doing the things that we love to do.
0: Yeah, and the entries are up by more than 200 over last year's previous show, which was moved to August due to COVID. So they moved it back to March in Las Vegas this year and have more than 200 entries over the previous year's show. So that's super exciting to see all of these people gathering and going to the event.
1: Yeah, and I think you can probably live stream it too, which I'll definitely be doing because – you know, now that I'm getting involved in that sport, I'm really loving just learning more about it, seeing all the horses that are out there and and all of you know, and, and then supporting the people that we love, like Brad Bergemeyer, he's gonna be there and um, you know, it's it's really it'll be good to watch. I think it's gonna be a really exciting show and it's already started, so if anybody's interested, you can probably head over to NRCHA's website and find the live stream and the draws and and everything else that you might want to to enjoy the show. But
0: yeah, I know I'll I'll be watching because as you are growing in the cow horse, I come over and ride with you so much that I'm like, "Oh my goodness, this is so much fun. Maybe maybe we'll do the cow horse, me and my little barrel horse might just, you know, throw our hat in the ring and chase a cow every once in a while just kidding that's, you, you that's say, not our talent
1: <laughs> you say little barrel horse but your little barrel horse also is bred with cow blood so yes it's not she totally is. out of you know cr- it's not totally crazy to maybe do something but Michaela's horse is so funny because every time we're working the flag that horse is hunting the flag and watching it and it's so funny because I'll be sitting next to her on my cow horse who has won about $50,000 in the cow horse, and he's looking up at the sky and anywhere but the flag, not paying attention, and Michaela's barrel horse is sitting there, like, watching every move it makes, and so I'm like, we need to put
0: that mare on a flag and see what she does, but. Yeah, maybe uh, one day, maybe we'll get there, and (laughs) she'll, she's either gonna be terrified of it or just really love it, so we'll see. (laughs) We'll report back if that ever happens. (laughs) We'll, we'll post a video of it on our Instagram. Um,
1: in personal news, I mentioned a couple times that I was in Arizona. We also got to do another on-demand shoot with Brad. I'm so excited for the content. Uh, we were able to have a video, a couple videos with Monique Potts and Brad. Monique is our natural horsemanship instructor for on-demand but she you know she comes from a cow horse background and she still enjoys competing and riding cow horses so her and i actually went to arizona together we took a load of horses out there so that we could just ride with everybody and and we were just like well we're already out here so we might as well do another on-demand shoot with brad because the weather is beautiful we've got our horses here that we can partake in the video shoots with and um and just have fun and even Brad and I get to do a little bit more together. Uh, anybody watches on demand. I was the novice rider that's learning the cow horse for the first time. in one of those video series, that was about a year and a half ago. Um, and so now in the new videos, you get to see me go down the fence. So we went from never working cow in her life to going down the fence and circling and, and um, Brad was really excited to get it on video, my first fence turn ever. So uh, hopefully those videos will be coming out this summer, I think, or fall. And um, but yeah, it was super exciting. Was so much fun working with Brad. I can't say more than enough good things about him and his family. They're the sweetest people in the world. And and Brad was taking time out of his really busy schedule, trying to get ready for the Salient Stakes, to help me. You know this person that just kind of showed up at his doorstep with three horses and um he was you know more than accommodating and he did way more for me than he needed to because he was busy working with all of his clients but it was a lot of fun i had my horse fall over at one point so uh i, I i've been told that i am now an official cow horse rider because you know you're not really official until you you know slip and fall circling
0: yeah you sent the video and while I love you, Nicole. It was the, is Hot Wheels okay? That I was like, oh, and then I finished watching the video and I was like, oh, they're both fine. They just got back on and Brad was ready to coach you right back up again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Thankfully the slip was just nothing more than just a little slip. So everybody was okay. Everybody was fine. And um, yeah, I just kind of gracefully tumbled off. uh, So nothing got tangled up with anybody and we were totally fine. But you know, if anybody watches The Cow Horse, they know that sometimes that happens. Um, we try to avoid it, but, you know, it happens. But, you know, that stuff happens all the time. Like, I, I, have, a, I have a friend that broke her leg just walking on our horse, and he tripped and fell. Like, it just, it's, you know,
0: horses. <laughs> it's part of riding horses. Another thing about Brad, though, that I want to mention is the fact that, so, Horse and Rider on TikTok. We love TikTok here at Horse and Rider. And Brad is one of our superstars because we get little clips of him in our on-demand videos of Brad just doing the sweetest, cutest things you could think of, and they just make great TikToks. So if you want to see some behind the scenes of Brad at the video shoots, just being silly Brad, go check us out on TikTok.
1: Um, And as much as I would love for this podcast to be a Brad appreciation podcast, because I really do He's a wonderful person and we're so thankful to have him on our team and part of our, you know, horse and rider and horse and rider on demand, uh, you know, as a contributor, uh, we should probably get to this interview so uh, we'll take it away from there. Just as you and your equine athlete continually strive for the best, the Synergy by Weaver team works tirelessly to design high-performing gear to support your partnership.
0: You can be confident that the Synergy by Weaver line of products is crafted from the finest materials working together in synergy with the latest technology and innovation.
1: You'll have peace of mind knowing your Synergy by Weaver product is backed by a 90-day test ride guarantee
0: visit your local weaver leather dealer to view the synergy by weaver leather line today or visit www.ridethebrand.com synergy
1: hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the ride um, Today, we are sitting down with Gil Friedman, who is actually over in Israel. So thank you for joining us when we have such a time difference. Uh, but Gil is the creator and of mental athletics, which is a really cool idea to me because we focus so much on our horse and physically being fit. But there's so much that goes into it mentally, especially when you're performing. Gil has a background in the reining. He's worked for some of the top reining trainers here in the United States. Um, and so I'll, I'll let you kind of explain more, Gil, since this is your program, but thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Thank you very much. So I'll tell you a little bit about what I do. I rarely focus on the mental aspects of performance and focus on the wide range of equestrian sports. I believe that we all are in a pursuit of peak performance. But the way I see peak performance, we look at three different aspects, horse ability, rider's ability, and rider's mindset. Now, the horse ability and the rider's ability are quite easily seen. I mean, we can watch a rider ride his horse and have an opinion about that. However, the rider's mindset is the invisible aspect of those 3. Yet, rider's mindset has a strong effect on rider's ability and therefore, we believe that has a certain effect on horse ability. So, we believe that we're going to put some, um, I would say, attention and focus and, um, I w- um, and knowledge about what we call the untalked about, the unseen part of performance. And I actually
1: learned about you because my friend did one of your workshops that you did with the Oklahoma reigning horse association, and she had nothing but amazing things to say about what you talked about during the workshop, what you, uh, the homework, I guess that you kind of provided her with to, to work on afterward. And so she actually had called me and she was like, Oh my gosh, you have to start talking to this guy. He's perfect for the horse and rider. She, she had nothing but amazing things to say about it. So, um, can you kind of explain a little bit about the workshops that you do and how it is that you work with people? Because your, I mean, your clientele is na- like internationally, literally. Like you work yes. with people all over the world.
2: Yes, I'm. I'm fortunate to say I do. Um, so that's the thing. I've been a competitive rider since I'm eight years old. I was born and raised in this industry, and the mental aspect always talked to me. It was something that I was aware of, it interested me, and it challenged me in many ways. About seven or eight years ago, something in me told me to go to this direction, and I was still primarily a horse trainer. You know, I had horse in training and non-pros and showing horses, but I started doing this slow shift towards focusing on the mental aspect. But then came the biggest question for me was, how can you get to as many people around the world? I mean, I live in Israel. It's pretty much you can consider it as an island because I'm an 11-hour flight from the U.S., at least a few hours flight from anywhere in Europe. So how can you get to those people and you know try to give them at least 1% of knowledge of, uh, of their ability to step up their game? So then I said, all right, so this, this program has to be something that can go through a phone. It can go through a video chat. It does not have to be by standing in the middle of the arena and coaching the rider. And the basic idea was is that it was: I'm not the the horse trainer and I'm not the non-pro coach. I am the the mental trainer, the the mental aspect. Uh, I would say um, professional to help riders work between themselves in their inner game and bring it into action every time they go ride their horse, ride with their trainer, and of course, even if you're an open rider, as more you know, as much as that could be effective for us. So this workshop is called the Peak Performance Mindset Workshop, and it talks about what I consider the foundations of mental toughness is overcoming unseen barriers that hold us back from reaching our best riding ability the second we walk into the show pen. And in this workshop, I'm trying to touch some different um, pressure points, different situations that I believe every equestrian rider deals with. Doesn't matter if you're a reiner, a cutter, all-run rider, jumper, dressage rider. I mean, if you're riding a horse, and you're being judged, you deal with this reality. And in this workshop, we do two things. First of all, we talk about the untalked about. We spread knowledge. We, we bring things that we all feel, we all wear, but you know, we usually keep it between us to ourselves. And now we bring it up and say, "All right, this is reality." And then you look around and you understand that you're not by yourself. Everybody's dealing with the same reality. So, the first thing is like I said, it's knowledge. it, ex- it-, it expanding or exploring um, this field. And the second thing, and more important, what your friend called it, homework. I rather the word exercises or 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 uh, training sessions. Um, that it's about taking it home with you and starting to practice practice at it. Uh, we all go to ride our horses, and we you know we want to to practice certain maneuvers, certain speeds, certain you know things we want to do in order to get ourselves ready to show. And the same thing here. It's training exercises and techniques that riders can practice on a daily basis, mon- monthly basis, stepping into the horse show, and, and, and with, the, with the basic approach of maximizing our ability. When a rider is performing as good as he can in that point of time, he is absolutely mentally tough. He is overcoming anything that can stand in his way from reaching his peak performance.
1: So yeah, no, I, I think homework is probably not the right word. Exercises and just you know that kind of stuff is very much probably what she meant. But yeah, she's you know my friend is actually a world champion rider, so she is by no means new to the horse show industry, and and I've been friends with her for. Uh, 20 plus years and we grew up in the show industry together and well um, but it's still relevant for her you know it doesn't matter how long you've been in the industry and how competitive you've been you can be a world champion you could be a novice going into the horse show pen for the first time it's also relevant and it's also important and I'm so glad that we're finally talking about the mental aspect of it because I think in other sports uh, it's something that is quite commonly talked about. And you know, there's such a mental aspect to a lot of sports, and we forget that it's just as important in the horse industry.
2: Yes, Uh, for what you said, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I'll tell you one thing that's very important. The higher level the rider is, the more aware he is to the importance of his mental state. So, you know, I'm fortunate to work with million dollar riders up to, down to Green Rainers showing for their first year I can tell you, each and any one of us can take something from it. We all have mental barriers. And it's about, sometimes it's about the 1% that can make uh, a huge difference. And sometimes it's a, it's a long-term process that will help you over, overcome anxiety, excitement, uh, underperforming because of certain reasons. You know, it's very important for us to realize something. We choose to live a competitive life. We choose to enjoy the thrill of victory, but suffer from the agony of defeat. We choose to be observed, judged, and evaluated on our riding abilities. And in my point of view, that means a lot about a person that that's his choice for his way of life. So once you make this big decision, because we can all be, you know, weekend riders or, you know, I mean, not to challenge ourselves to, to walk into the show pen, because that's, That's something that nobody forced us to do. But by the second we do that, first of all, it means that we're strong people. And second of all, it means that we we should have the tools to understand how to overcome any barrier that comes along the way from living a competitive life.
0: I never thought of it like that because that's really true that we do choose to go into the show pen because we could just – you know, practice all of this and stay at home and just stay in the practice pen. But exactly. I never thought of it that, you know, we choose to go into the show pen to be competitors and that that should mean that we have the tools. And so kind of going off of that, you are a competitor. So how yes. does that play into all of this?
2: Um, okay, so a lot of my work is based on personal experience. I can say I was fortunate to be in different uh, positions in this uh, uh, competitive industry. I mean, I was a youth non-pro rider. I was an assistant trainer. I was a a head coach and a head trainer with my own business. And now I'm also a client for some young trainers in the U.S. having horses with them. So for me, the, 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 the life experience told me that you cannot ignore it. You cannot ignore a reality that can play in your favor, but can also hold you back from reaching your goals and achieving your dreams. So I would say that mental athletics is a journey. It's a journey that starts way back uh, from the first day I walked into the show pen, and it's heading towards a direction that I want to reach every competitive rider. And hand him something and tell him, listen, you have a chance to be at your best. It's not going to be easy. Nothing happens instant. You know, it's all part of a process. But as much effort you put in your horse, in your riding, if you put that effort in yourself, you'll be able to reach two important things. One is peak performance. Walking into that Chopin and being proud of how you show. But the second thing, and that's, I would say, more important, is the well-being of living a competitive life. You know, we have many reasons to be frustrated and disappointed and hold ourselves back. And mental work, mindset coaching, is putting down well-being as part of this process. Being stronger every day. Being more committed and more confident in my personal ability. Understand that I'm not competing against other people. I'm competing against myself. Every time there's a glass ceiling that I'm stepping up, breaking it, and then keeping up my journey up there. And that's that's the amazing thing about our world, our life as, as competitive riders.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like every time we walk into the pen, yes, we are competing against other people. But we're mostly competing against ourselves and just trying – To improve ourselves and make ourselves better and I know even for myself when I'm winning. It's like the mental aspect is like super easy, but when you're in that struggle phase, just trying to be successful I know that that can be really really hard mentally So do you have any advice or anything that you could give people who maybe are on a losing streak or just really struggling in the show
2: pen? Um, Okay, so To give an advice off the bat is a challenging thing because everybody comes with a background. First of all, what we call the inner voice, that voice in our mind that can be our best friends, but still can also be our biggest enemy. And I think that inner voice is something that we can handle and we can control. Not everything is. I would say natural comes up and if you have, you know, this this negative mindset that holds you back, you can snap and, and 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 get away from it. But nothing is meant to be. I mean, everything is flexible, everything can be changed. And if you're in a bad streak of performance, you should ask why. And the second question is how can I step up from this bad streak of performance? We can, you know, we can find, uh, I would say, excuses or reasons for anything that doesn't work. But, you know, if we put attention in our improvement, sometimes it's the invisible 1% of change that can make a big difference in our work. And I tell you, I mean, have the chance to work from with, with riders. Some of them are telling me, listen, I'm coming to the biggest show of the year. It's the most important thing for me. And I want you to be on my side, help me, you know, Go get it. And that's one way. But I also have riders that come to me and tell me, Listen, I mean, things don't work. I, I, I walk into the show pen and I feel that I'm freezing. I feel that my mind is running a thousand miles an hour and I'm not riding to my ability. So in those with those those two different riders, you come with different approaches. But the idea is that handing them down some ideas, some uh, I would say, um, setting goals that they can achieve by working towards that direction. And one thing you know, one of the biggest um, challenges in the mental aspects is confusions. When I have many thoughts, uh, many feelings that I feel that I cannot control them. At that point, we put down order and organization. And we understand what helps us step up our game and what help, what makes us or what holds us back. And once things are in front of our eyes, then one important thing to happen. We can make the decision. Not always we'll make the greatest decision, but once you make a decision, you're committed to what you're doing. And by that, you're stepping forward towards where you want to get to.
1: I've definitely been there where I freeze up walking into the show. pen. in fact, um, you know, like I said earlier, I have a very extensive horse show background, but I took 10 years off. And last year I went and I showed a cow horse for the first time ever. And I was like, you know, I was pretty chill and I'm like, all right, whatever. It's just another horse show. And I got to that, that entrance and the, the end gate. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I could feel my chest pounding. And I really had to, sit there and kind of get into my own head and be like, okay, study your breathing. Like we've done, like, I've done patterns probably a million times. Like I, that's not anything new, but for some reason it was just like, I got this like overwhelming feeling again and I hadn't had it in 10 years because I'd walked away from the show pen. And so, yeah, it's, it's so important to be able to not only, you know, look at it from a logical point but just like control your feelings and your emotions and you know go in with that game plan and like you Mm -hmm. said sometimes it's not the best decision but until like you make that decision you don't always know
2: exactly and by by making that mistake that's your best chance to improve you know when we're in a good streak and everything works for us sometimes we feel that you know we're there and the the challenge to improve ourselves is is weakening but actually after those bad runs that you're super disappointed and you don't sleep at night, you're like, oh, I can't believe I did that. That's your opportunity to, to go back home, practice, and come back next time better, you know, and and and, and stronger and, and hopefully perform much better than you did the last time. And I mean I never I never met any rider that it's like a, a smooth uphill journey. You know, life a competitive life is ups and downs. And when you're up, enjoy it. When you're down, enjoy it because that's your chance to climb up again and, and 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 see the nice view from the top.
1: And I have to say that as much as it's so nice when everything goes according to plan and things are great and you're, you know, sitting at the top, but uh, it would get very boring if things were perfect all the yes. time. So yes. you're so right. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the highs. Enjoy the lows. It's going to push you to be a better person and a better rider and a better athlete.
2: I, I tell you that I never met a rider that quit riding after a bad horse show. never, but I met riders that had like a good year, a nice horse they, everything went well, and at the end of the year, they were like, uh, oh, you know, I got the idea maybe I'll do a different hobby, so sometimes it's 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 the difficulties that keep us in it and and keep us motivated to 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 keep on improving and and get the most out of ourselves and 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 out of our horses. The thing is that we haven't talked about yet here that I believe that our sport, question sports, are th- one of the most unique sports in the world because we live by uh, individual sport mindset. I walk into the Chopin and show, and, and Michaela do, and you, then you, Nicole, walk into the Chopin, and we want to you know score the highest score we can. But the reality is that every time we walk into the Chopin, We have a four-legged teammate with us. And success is dependent on the teamwork between me and my horse. Now, I don't believe the most talented rider wins horse shows, and I don't believe that the most talented horse wins horse shows. I do believe that the best teams do. We've seen those, you know, this rider and his horse that just seem like everything goes together, like everything works out for them. It doesn't matter. Every time they walk into that Chopin, it just looks the same. It looks good. And this is, for me, what is, is the idol of performance, when you have a good team between a rider and his horse. But saying that, we must understand that we choose to live a competitive life. But I don't believe that horses live the same competitive life that we do. I don't believe that a horse, when he's walking to the show pen, he knows that those you know, six gentlemen sitting around the arena are giving him scores scoring the, him he doesn't you know there's people sitting there he understand that something is going on but he doesn't know that he's getting score in his performance and here is what is the x factor of the mental aspect how does my mindset affects my riding that affects my horse and this is why i believe that when you see top level riders can ride different horses and still do good because they have this ability to to have a strong line between their mind, their body, and their horse. And once you reach this connection, you're in a good place. Your your chances to succeed, your chances to peak perform just are higher. And and that this is what I believe the goal of each and one of us as, as a competitive rider.
0: Yeah, and I mean being a competitor with an animal is so much different than any other sport because we're just trying to communicate with them through our own language. And I know that there have been times that, you know, even when I'm having a good mental day, there's just a hitch in the communication and we aren't able to get it done. But thanks to having a good mental mindset, I'm able to go back home, fix what I need to do, and then come back stronger again, which is,
2: you know, always beneficial. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that many times we put a lot of, we all know how the equestrian industry looks like. We put a lot of time, effort, and money, a lot of money in this sport. And the reality is that we come with expectations. We put all this, you know, energy into what we call coming to a horse show. And then we expect from ourselves and a horse to perform. But the idea is that expectation is the wrong word when we talk about this special team. We shouldn't expect our horse to perform. We should help him to perform. And, and in what, which way, we should handle the the pressure for the team. When you think about it, it's a team sport now, as, as, as I try to picture it. It's not an individual sport any, anymore. But it's not a regular team. It's not like, you know, let's say team tennis. you got two players that communicate verbally between them. They understand each other and they've been practicing together for a long time and they come to games. They have their certain way of communication. But when we're coming with a horse, we're the ones that go through the pressure. And when, we, when I mean handling the pressure, it simply says being a leader of the team. When we're confident in our ability and confidence in a horse ability, we can guard him from the competitive pressure. We can understand a little bit what goes in his eyes, you know. I'll give it a short example. Going to a horse show, so a week before we leave, we set goals, we prepare, we're all excited, and we pack a suitcase. If it's a small horse show, we pack the same day we leave. If it's a big horse show, we have that suitcase in the side of our bedroom waiting for us to leave to the horse show. But when a horse is going to a horse show, he wakes up in the morning, we take him out of his stall, we put him on a trailer, he doesn't know why and he doesn't know where. And all this uncertainty is uh, a very challenging reality for that animal. And once we understand the difference in the mindset between us, the competitors, we understand that the horse is the athlete. As a mental coach, this is the basic understanding. I consider the rider the competitor, and the horse is the athlete. We're the one that need to deal with the competitive pressure, and the horse's job is to walk into the show pen and perform his best athletic abilities. And when we come to this ap- with this approach to a horse show, the way we ride him, the way we 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 take care of him, the way the, we we guard him from the from the, from the round noise, I mean, for a horse, think about it. We, we practice at home riding a couple horses, maybe five horses in the arena, and then you walk into the, into the practice pen and the night before and there's 30 horses loping around. And, and for us, it's obvious, but for the horse, it could be something that is very much um, uh, effective. It can, it can get him simply out of his game. And if we understand that, we have the chance to put the puzzle together all those pieces and get ourselves and our partner ready to show.
1: I've never thought of it like that, but I really do love the way that you break down um, how the rider is the competitor and the horse is the athlete showing off its athletic ability because that's, that's so true. Uh, everything that you said is completely true. The horse does not know that he scored a 75 and a half after his go, you know, all he knows is he got a pat on the back and maybe a couple treats. Um, yeah, But yeah, it's so true, and I, I can relate in a personal experience with the cow horse that I talked a little bit about earlier. When I first got him and first started riding him, he would actually, he was, you know, he's won about $50,000. So it's not like he didn't have experience in the Chopin, but he was at the point to where he was running away from the cow in the Chopin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't really want a cow horse that goes the other way from the cow, <laughs> you know? Um, and, but, yeah, it's like, it, you know, his mental... You know, being able to to be competent in my decision making, and you know, be the competitor, and be able to say it's okay, I'm here to support you, I've got you, this is what we're doing, I'm not going to put you in a scary situation, has just changed how he is, and and I haven't had any of those problems.
2: I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, and I think this is this is the nice thing. I mean, this is this is what I discover along, you know, this this work and this exploring this field of. of of mental training and mental coaching. The idea is that when you provide the rider with the knowledge and with the power to, to handle the game, he's guarding his horse. He's, (laughs) he's taking, he's taking better care of his horse, but not only on the grooming side, it's the training approach. Let's put our hand on the heart and say the truth. Many times we've been riding our horses in a certain way because we were stressed because we were anxious because we were excited, not necessarily because the horse was misbehaving. So, and, and again, I'm touching the, the, what I consider I mean, the Elite riders. I believe that Elite riders know to make the difference between when it's they, they are going through pressure and when it's time to put the pressure on the horse in order to, to maximize his athletic abilities. And, and once your emotions are out of this process, the chances for you to reach your goals and treat your horse in a better way are 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 you know going going up high and and I believe this is this is this is the core idea of what we're doing here,
0: yeah, well, I know for myself this is it's kind of a tough thing to hear, but also it's a good thing for me to hear because there are times where I've gone to compete at very very large events. And I think that I'm a very talented rider. I obviously made it to the event. And then I get there, and my horse tries really hard, and I am totally failing my horse the entire time. But it's just because I don't have that ability to separate my emotions and my mental ability from the competition at all times.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 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 and this, is, this is the reason I decided to step in this field and reach out riders. Uh, a couple years back, I had a really interesting interview with 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 somebody, and she asked me, um, "Who did you have when you were a young rider that was helping you in the mental aspect?" And I told and I told her, "That was the problem. I didn't." And looking back today, if I had that person next to me, you know, and helping me get my mind in the right place, I know I could do better. I know I could reach. I could achieve one point better when I walk into the shop. pen. I know I could overcome mistakes that up to today I, I still remember them. And it didn't make sense for me that there was nobody to help me then because I was an assistant trainer for Eli. You know, Eli trainers, and the pressure was on me to 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 perform as best as I can. So the, the mental coaching, having this this person next to you. I never tell a rider how to, how he's supposed to ride. I never tell a rider how is a horse supposed to feel because that's not my job. I have my rider get his mind in the right place, that he's riding as good as he can, and therefore he's helping his horse perform to his best.
0: Well, and they always say it takes a village, and I think the more we think about it, the more it's true because, you know, you have your horse trainer and they are very important and critical to your success in the show pen, but -hmm. having somebody to be your personal coach for your mindset, it just adds to that competitive ability that you're able to take into the show pen. And I just think that the more we can bring this idea and make it more of a common practice, because I still think to this day, you know, we're a lot more riders are getting into the fact that they need to, have somebody there to help them with their mental abilities but not everybody does that especially you know in the western industry sometimes they just want to do it themselves a lot and it really takes a village so I think that people can really learn a whole lot from having somebody like you
2: on their team. First of all thank you for this compliment uh, appreciate it. Um, I tell you uh, I-, I totally agree I tell you what my perspective is is primarily as a as a horse trainer. And you know, when you think about a horse trainer, he when he comes to a horse show, he has so many things to take care of. He needs to take care of preparing his horses, preparing his riders, taking care of the stall, cleaning, feeding, hauling, signing up the riders. I mean, you got so many things on your mind as the head coach. And then you still have that non-pro rider or yourself as a competitor that who is helping you. And and one of the biggest things that I, 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 I do with riders is, first of all, understand that it's a triangle. It's the rider, the trainer, and the mental coach. And good communication, healthy communication, goal setting are part of this triangle that is here to maximize, you know, performance and, and, and hopefully, you know, reach our goals in, in, in this, this life chasing toward our dreams to make finals and to win big horse shows. And this is the nice thing about it. So yes, I, I agree with you. It takes it takes many people to to achieve success. it comes down to our farriers, to our vets, uh, to, 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 to good feeding. So all these things together are 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 have one goal in front of their eyes. Success the success of the rider, the success of the horse, and the enjoyment of this sport. So
1: just now, you kind of talked about, you know, how the horse trainer has all this going on and the non-pro has a whole certain different level of needs and problems and, and things they need help through. Do you find that the way that you work with professionals differs from the way that you work with non-pros or is it all kind of the same philosophy? It's, I mean, you coming from somebody who was a horse trainer and has lived that lifestyle. I'm sure it's really great that you can relate so well to these people because horse trainers, they go through a lot and it's, it's very hard and, and it's their career. If they aren't doing well, you know, in the show pen, that's their career on the line. and, And that can get into the way mentally the next time you go into the show pen.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Um, So, first of all, the answer is yes. I have a different approach, working with a trainer and working with a non-pro. The frame is very similar, but my job is to find the best way this certain rider can peak perform. That's my job. My job is to help him organize his thought, set his goals, and make the right decisions from the second he's walking in the competitive environment, the second he's reaching the fairground, up to the moment he's walking out of the show pen. Now, of course, when you work with a million-dollar rider, you have a different approach than when you work with a green rainer. They're, li- they're living two different realities. For me, my, my biggest passion is, is, is working with competitors. If you're here, to get the maximum out of yourself, if you're up to the challenge, to, to to put all the time and the effort into it, I'm here for you to help you. So, so yes, the the techniques are different. The language is a little bit, you know, a little bit um, unique to each individual, but the frame is how much motivation do you have to reach your goals now. I'm not a very uh, motivational speaking fan. I believe that whoever made the choice to live this life he's motivated enough. I don't need to convince him nothing. The opposite I need to clean all the you know round noise all the what holds us back um, uh, negative thoughts um, perfectionism you know that's our biggest enemy. we're all perfectionists. we want everything to be perfect but it holds us back from, from stepping up our game because our focus is many times on the negative aspect of our performance instead of the productive and positive aspects of, of our performance. So one of my biggest jobs is understanding what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and how you're going to use your strength to help you reach your goals. And how you can work through your weaknesses to improve them by at least 1% every time.
0: Well, I think that's something that's important to note is that your weaknesses really can help you improve. But, you know, we have our strengths and th- this could be totally wrong. But I feel like if we focus a little bit more on our weaknesses in a positive way, then we're able to use our weaknesses to c- generate a successful career in the show pen.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you can divide it, if you, when we think about a horse show, if you can roughly divide it into two parts, so I always call it the practice period and showtime. So when you think about it, during the practice period, your job is primarily focused on your weaknesses, how to improve them, strengthen them, you know, step up your game. But when you walk into the show pen, your, your focus is primarily showing your strength. And the balance in between the two is is, is what we consider the, the game plan.
1: I again, I've never thought of it that way. And it's so true that, you know, when we're in the practice pen, it's always focusing on our weaknesses and what we need to improve. But the minute you step into that show pen, it's all about showcasing your strengths and getting as many points as you can in those maneuvers, um, because you know that you have it. So I've, again, I've been showing since i was 10 years old and i'm now in my 30s and like you're blowing my mind with some of the things (laughs) that you're saying and i love it
2: yeah thank you very much i appreciate that so this is the idea the idea here is is bringing something new it's bringing uh, a fresh approach to what we consider the game and and the game here is very unique from different aspects i mean you can open youtube and look at Fifty different videos of training a horse doesn't matter in which field you are. And here we're talking about the competitor, the rider, and the journey that the riders go through. And we talked about the workshop we do. Not everybody is is you know in a place to to work with a personal mental coach and come to every horse show with a mental coach working with you um, for many reasons, but. Those workshops are a part of expanding knowledge is spreading that word and and you know, from here from Israel, I was giving this workshop for a large amount of riders from Oklahoma and Texas area, and this is the idea if if any of them took one thing from it, I'm sure it's gonna help him step up his game. I, I'm sure it's gonna uh, um, affect the approach they come with to show, and also. They know they can. They can. Um, they have somebody that they can come to if they come into different challenges. You know, I mean, if you're in, in rough times or you're coming to a big horse show now for, in the reigning industry, the NRBC is, is 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 coming soon, and many riders are talking talking to me because it's an important horse show, and everybody wants to do good, and you wanna have the highest chances to succeed. And, and the mental aspect is a big part of it because a big horse show mindset is different than a weekend a, a horse show mindset. And it's, it's not a different rider. It's not a different horse. So why should we let us affect us when we come to the, to the big horse shows? So this is part of the game. Uh, this is part of the dialect we go through in, in, in the pursuit of um, the competitive life.
0: I know Nicole and I were so excited when we were going to get to talk to you. And I feel like I have learned so much. And you just said that you hope that anybody who does your workshop just takes, you know, one thing away. And I feel like anybody who listens to this podcast episode is going to take something away. And it's not like you even, you know, took a deep dive into what you do. I feel like we just barely, you know, touched the surface of everything. And I know that I took things away. So hopefully everybody who listens to this podcast can Take just one little piece away and go improve their competitive
2: edge. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate what you're saying. Yes, I mean, this is the thing. We're here living a very um, community life. There's something that connects all Equestrian riders. Doesn't matter if you're a Western rider, English rider, um, you know, horse racing or whatever, for whatever, you know, field you're coming, we have a strong connection. We have this passion to this animal. And if you choose to live a competitive life, so you have this passion to challenge yourself. And, and if it's here, let's, let's handle it in the best way we can. And this is part of this, this special journey. I mean, uh, I'm fortunate to see riders around the world just, just performing at their best and, and handling this game in, with a new approach. When I have a rider that's walking out of the Chopin after not a, not a very good ride, but he has a very positive mindset and he knows how he can analyze his performance and get better for the next time he's walking to the Chopin. And not let this, this bad run come into what we consider our self-esteem or our, um, you know, the way we, we see ourselves because it's a never-ending story the nice thing about our sport we start when we're young and we can keep on showing till we're 80 years old so if you're in it you can always improve
1: it's very unique in that sense um so you've talked a little about your your workshops um and with covid obviously this has all been very virtual for you this year or this past year um but normally you do like in-person clinics and uh, I believe, actually, you and I were talking before this, and you actually had to cut your United States clinic tour short last year because of coronavirus. Can you yes. talk a little bit about your in-person clinics and and what kind of things you guys cover in that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so the in-person clinics, we it's it's first of all, I mean, that's the best way to work with people, face to face. And I love when I have a chance to meet those people in person and work with them and, and, and get the opportunity to make this connection. Now in this clinics, what we do is, is is the, the biggest shift is that we do primarily focus on the mental aspect. That means off the horse kind of clinics, but we have the option to bring the horses in. And practice some of our mental technical techniques that we we teach riders, and during these clinics practice them and understand how we implement them in our performance and the way we we ride our horses and the way we show our horses. When we show it's our mind is constantly working, and it's affects directly the way we ride and when you make this connection in the in the uh, the clinics that we do worldwide, it's by no means, it makes a stronger effect, and it's something that you can feel. Uh, one of the biggest challenges of the online networking communication, that it's about speaking. It's talking in a way that people can understand you, but the feeling of, of implementing a technique when you're riding with that mental coach, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different deal, and hopefully we'll be back to it soon. Uh, the COVID is still here, but, but I, I hope reality will 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 come back to to what we remembered. But don't get me wrong. For for what I do, it's it's could be this COVID pandemic was one of the the best thing that happened to me because up to a year ago, when you tell people, oh, I'm doing workshops online and and Zoom sessions and 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 once I'm them, like what is that? What what? How you do that? And now everybody is is, is using this this this. Uh, this way of communicating. So, so in that in that you know point of view, it did a lot good to to our program and to our work, and and hopefully you know keep on reaching more and more people, in Northern America, Southern America, Europe, and and even we have some riders in Australia. That it's it's a great thing to have.
0: So, for anybody who wants to keep an eye out for your in-person clinics, or to join you online, or wherever they want to find you, how could they? look you up and find out more about you.
2: Okay. So we have mental athletic website. It's mental dash athletics.com. We have our Facebook page, mental athletics um, and our Instagram page. First of all, and in any of those forms, you can always text us, message us and we'll reach back to you. Um, and, and that's the be- the best way you can reach. I'm always open to talk to people. I hardly ever communicate them on, you know, emailing back and forth. Usually when somebody's interested, we give them the basic information you need to get, and our second offer is let's have a short phone call. And we're having a 10, 15-minute phone call, getting to know each other, understanding how we can advise you, how we can help you, what are, what are you looking for. And from that point on, I mean, we're getting things done and, 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 and setting, you know, times for for the the workshops, the one-on-one session, our show training um program and hopefully sometime soon the the to back to travel and and come to do the clinics worldwide.
1: We're keeping our fingers crossed that that yes, we yes. can we can get back to that. Um And we're going to be doing some more stuff with you in the magazine and digitally. And I'm really excited for, for those to start coming out. And um, so the horse and rider audience is definitely going to hear more from you and learn more from you. And I'm really excited about that. But but thank you so much for, for doing this. And thank you for taking time out of your evening. I know that it's getting a little later there and we're here in the morning. So um, thank
2: you so much for, for taking
1: some time out of your night to talk with us.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Um, you, you guys are doing a great thing, and, and I appreciate that. It's been a pleasure, and, and yes, I mean let's 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 keep on working on that. It's it's a never-ending story. Knowledge is power, and let's get the most of what we can. So again, thank you for inviting me to to be part of of this podcast. And like you said, the future things we're gonna we're gonna do together. Amazing.
0: Again to Weaver Leather for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning into the ride podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider magazine on social
1: media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horse and at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're
0: listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.